Hello, everyone. This is Aging Ungracefully. My name is Alfra. <laughs> I don't know what my own name is. My name is Afra. Welcome to or welcome back to um, the, the podcast, the new episode, the thing. I bet you woke up this morning and were like, yo, I don't see a new podcast. And then this one swooped in super late in the day and uh, and shocked you. It shocked me. <laughs> it was a really, really busy few weeks, and I I should have set myself up better for the summer. I've recorded a few pre-episodes to just post in the case of like I didn't have time or anything, and I go back and I listen to them when I do that, and I just wasn't happy with them. So I was like, I'm just not going to post because I would rather not post than post something I just don't care for. Um, but welcome to, and I'm back and this is my voice. And I smoked a lot of cigarettes and a lot of cannabis while camping this weekend. I am not a regular smoker. Uh, this just tends to happen when we are partying around a fire. I don't know why it's like, it's like a natural instinct. It's very caveman brain of mine. Um, but it's just the thing that happens. So my voice has got this like deep rasp to it, which I'm you know, digging. <laughs> I'm okay with this. I, I like it. It's it's here. It's a vibe. But, uh, but, you know, gargling some lemon water and honey and, you know, trying to get my body back on a schedule and a regimen is going to be, it's going to be an adventure. We're, we're going to be on an adventure. I've jokingly said this a million times, and this is something we talk about on Aging Ungracely, which is, you know, I'm too fucking old for this shit. Like, no one tells you after a certain age, like, going to bed at 2 a.m. is just not kosher for you or anyone else in your atmosphere. Um, and I don't think I went to sleep before <laughs> 1.30 a.m., for the last four days. So I am tired. First off, I am tired. Uh, but I am happy. And so that 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 joy outweighs that exhaustion. I'm sure I won't say that tomorrow when I go back to work because I took the Monday off knowing full well that I was gonna just be roasty toasty and ready for, you know, just a vibe. And so, you know, here we are. Here we are. It was an amazing weekend and it leads me into today's podcast topic which is just the joy you can find out in the world when you are looking for it and i feel like the last week of my life has just been so creative and joyful and funny and just what my heart and soul and mind truly needed and I feel incredibly lucky to have people in my life who set up these opportunities of joy like dominoes for me and I just get to show up and kick the first one down and let them all just trail afterward um, because it's just been great. It's been fucking great. So <laughs> I really went into 2023 and I know I've talked about this a little bit already this these these last few episodes but I really went into 2023 with a lot of intention with a lot of intention to be my own person, my own cheerleader, my own best friend to you know really work towards my joy, my happiness, to dance more, to create more, to love louder, to embrace things, to sing, to like just to do all of these things that I feel like I had spent the, throughout the pandemic not really getting to do much of. Like I remember one night with my ex 
I had this like stark realization that made me ball my eyes out as we were sitting on the couch and we were watching some, I think we were watching South Park, the movie, because that's where we were in quarantine. Um, but I look over at him and I was like hysterically laughing at something that I normally wouldn't laugh at, but it was just like, I, for some reason in that moment, it was just so funny to me. And I look over at him and I went, I just realized that I haven't laughed, like actually belly gutturally laughed in months. Like I actually don't remember the last time. And he goes, yeah, no, you haven't. And I was like, that's really fucking sad. And I remember feeling like just super sad about it and really hard on myself. Like, how dare you not laugh? But then I also remember like, it was the pandemic. We were all living in this liminal space. Like we were all in this space of either you were going about your life day to day normally as if nothing changed, but recognizing the change in the atmosphere and the people in the world, or you were like me, which was shut inside, locked down, anxious, mental health. Like I have a lot of, I had back at that time, I was really struggling with my PTSD. So like being inside was very triggering. It was very triggering to feel confined, um, but then also feel like uncomfortable when you're out in the world. So it was just, it was a lot. So when that relationship ended, I didn't know who I was anymore. I didn't know where I was going, what I wanted. I knew I started this podcast the month before that relationship ended. So it's really interesting to go back and listen to the first episodes and and hear me talking about grief and things like that. And then to be where I am now, where it's just like, I still have a lot of those ideas and feelings, but the recognition of like how sad I was when this podcast started versus where I am now, where there's like so much joy and excitement and fun. And my, my life is busy because I'm busy prioritizing my own mental health and wellness and taking a little bit of time off from therapy, which is I haven't done in eight years. Um, I've been back to back with psychologists, somatic therapists for eight straight years. And there's nothing wrong with that. But this last few months, I've, I've had a few spot appointments, um, but really just trying to like let myself be present and use all, all, utilize all the tools that I, I acquired during the pandemic and over the last eight years of, of going to a psychologist. And I'm like really trying to just be myself and really authentically focus on like showing up as myself in every room that I'm in, um, regardless of the fear or the anxiety. And this last weekend really proved to me that sometimes it's not necessarily about, you know, fear and anxiety sometimes it's it's literally your body's way of saying like this is not the space for you um or this is not the group of people for you and i'm not saying that because i had a bad time i actually had an amazing time at lloyd stock shout out lloyd stock an incredible incredible th like three days so much fun so many people um many of those people I have not seen in 15 years, like since I graduated high school. And so it's, it was so good. It was so good. But something that I recognized this weekend was is that in spaces that felt authentic to where I am at in life now, I was more willing to be open and joyful and loud and just myself, like full heartedly myself. And at Lloyd's Dog, there was people that I haven't seen in like so long that I was like nervous to be who I am now in my life. And I felt myself kind of having to take a little bit of a step back with certain people and and really like kind of feel like I had to mute myself. And it was like, I was like, am I super self-conscious? Like this is really weird to experience for me. And 
I didn't feel that way with like my my close friend Tris who who came out who invited me um or or Jake or Dylan like they're people that I I love and and I still see to this day but there were certain other groups there that I was just like I feel like I kind of have to like be a little bit quiet a little bit more reserved a little bit more structured and it was very weird to see that and she noticed that change in my body and so I'm wondering for all of you like a lot of the time when we step into rooms we go oh like I have anxiety I have social anxiety but if you can communicate with people one-on-one or you can communicate with like smaller groups of people is it social anxiety or is it just knowing the space that you feel safest in is it you know anxiety or is it you know your body's way of telling you that this isn't the right space for you um or this isn't the right people for you to hold the space that you feel is authentic to your where you're at in life right now and that like hit me like a brick wall now granted i consumed a violent amount of cannabis for myself this weekend. Like I, I am not, I, I smoke to sleep. Like I, when I use cannabis, it's usually to help me relax or help me to sleep. Um, and it's because I work in the medical industry for cannabis. So for so long for me, like I use cannabis as like a medicine. I don't usually use it to get stoned. Um, but this weekend, not that I was using it to get stoned this weekend, it was just this thing where it's like everywhere I went, there was a joint. And so I was just like, okay, like, great. I also have a very, very, very low tolerance for THC and myrcene. So the terpene myrcene, anything that's in tends to give me horrific anxiety. Um, so, you know, your girl was just vibing all weekend in in a liminal space like I but I was I was recognizing on the Saturday that there was moments of just feeling like I enjoying this space but I feel more excited in smaller groups of one-on-one conversation and so I, I kept finding that which is what I loved about Lloydstock is there was there was pockets of that everywhere um but I used to be really hard on myself I used to be really like, I can't leave this space. You're such a baby. Like, how can you not just enjoy this? Everybody else is enjoying it. Everyone else is talking. You're just being a weirdo in the corner. And now I'm like, no, I'm in spaces and places that light me up. And if I'm not in a space in a place that lights me up, I either leave or I choose how to navigate that space that feels authentic to me. Connection isn't always about the quantity of connection you have. It's about the quality of the connection you have. And that is like that is something that I've learned in my 30s. That is something about aging ungracefully that I just fucking love is that you really start to learn in your relationships with people and relationship with people and relation in relation to other people, what feels good, what doesn't, what is a vibe, what is absolutely not, and how you can just balance between all of those things to find your own joy. And I feel so incredibly lucky to have finally hit a place in my life where I know the rooms I want to be in and I know the people I want to be around. And if a relationship doesn't feel good to me, I'm not nurturing it. If, if I'm putting in all of the work and the intention and the planning, I'm not bothering with it. Relationships aren't always 50, 50. I think I said before that they are, but it's just genuinely something that I don't believe anymore is that relationships aren't 50, 50. It's, it's about where you're at and who you are and how you can balance with somebody else in those moments. And something I've really truly recognized is they're not 50, 50. And 
ultimately you need to be in spaces and places that feel good, that feel like a vibe, that don't leave you feeling anxious and overwhelmed and nervous about what you said and who you are and how you speak. And it's so important. And it's so important. And I think the older you get and the more experiences you have, especially experiences you have where it's like a negative experience with a a larger group, you kind of have this way of like whittling down your space and knowing like what feels good and what feels authentic and what feels connected. And, you know, I had so many amazing conversations this weekend with people that I haven't seen in a really long time um, about life. Like, where are you at? What are you doing? Cool. Okay. Now let's talk about like your health and your wellness and your joy. And are you finding it? Are you not finding it? What's something you didn't know? What's something you didn't expect? And I actually asked people those questions and it was so fucking cool to hear people's answers. It was so amazing to like ask a question that people are not used to being asked. And it wasn't like a attention seeking. I'm asking this question because I'm so such a vibe. Um, it was like, a, am asking this question because I genuinely want to know where you are on your life path. I want to know what lights you up. I want to know what makes you happy. I want to know what makes you sad. I want to know what the last few years of your life have been like. We haven't seen each other in 15 years. You know, we went from seeing each other every day to not talking at all. Tell me, where have you been for 15 years? Are you happy? Are you sad? Are you stuck? Are you in a space of complacency? Where are you? And it was amazing, the answers that I got. It was amazing to have those one-on-ones and to really, truly get to know people that I grew up with at a different stage and place in their life Um, because a lot's happened. We've all been through it now. We're all adults. You know, we met in the formative years of our lives where we were still testing the waters out on our personalities. We were still figuring out which parts of us fit and which parts of us didn't. And we were also, you know, making tons of fucking mistakes and doing stupid shit. You know, we were partying and drinking and having Roman candle wars and lighting each other on fire, apparently. I didn't light anybody on fire, but they did. Um, And, you know, like listening to all these people, it's like we were we were in those stages of like learning and excitement and joy and inquisitiveness and, you know, the the space where you're not stressed about usually not always not for everybody, but usually you're not super stressed about finances or houses or mortgages or kids or marriage or jobs. It's like it was just the space where we got to exist and grow and learn and and try and fail and succeed all in this like mashed up package of like teenage years and early adulthood. And now we're all coming back together and we're sitting down and we're talking about it as like 30 year olds. And we're like, yo, (laughs) did anybody sign up for this? Like, did anybody feel like we were properly prepared to get older? or that we were properly prepared as to what adulthood actually looked like because like school doesn't prepare you school prepares you with like the the bare minimum of like what it's like to actually survive as an adult in this world it's so there's so many landscapes to traverse there's personal relationships financial relationships wealth management like health wellness things that you never expect to happen like that was something we talked about this weekend with one of the guys is that like you know at at 19 he didn't mind like shooting each other in the face with Roman candles or or dirt biking or anything like that but now he's 32 and he has a, a son and you know that child is the most important thing in the world to him so he's not gonna have a Roman candle war. he's not gonna get on a dirt bike without a helmet and ride off into the sunset like he's just not going to do those things because his priorities had to change because his life changed because the way that he had to live his life changed and so it was just 
amazing to me to hear this that reflection from people and to hear like who we were and and where we go and who we become and something that like really came up this a lot this weekend was just the need for exploring yourself a lot of people i spoke to went i'm so glad i waited until we were 30 to have kids i'm so glad we did not have try to have kids in our 20s and like and that's not bad about anybody who did but it was just so many of them were like i'm so glad we waited because they were like we didn't know at 25 what we know at 30. We didn't experience what we did at 19 that we have at 30. These ideas and these thoughts and these feelings and these decisions came because we got older and we experienced life. And that's a whole thing with aging ungracefully is that you get to try all these pieces and see what fits and what doesn't and what works and what doesn't and what feels good and what doesn't. And it was just really beautiful to hear that through so many people's mouths this weekend. And then on Sunday, I got back on the grindstone stage at so speak. Um, and I did a collaborative piece with my friend Katie and it was so good. It's actually Katie and I are a vibe together. I don't know if it's because we have endured the same trauma from the same person or what it is, but Katie's my ex-sister-in-law, but um, she came over on Tuesday last week and we wrote a whole ass poem together and it was so fun to write and it was so beautiful and I'm so fucking impressed with us. And we performed it for the first time last night and it was our first time, it was Katie's first time doing that ever, which I am so fucking proud of her, proud of her for. Shout out to Katie, that is not easy. It is not easy to get up and read your own personal work, um, especially when that is so vulnerable and so intense and so like can be really looked at in any way. Um, and I loved performing it with her. I loved being in this space with her. And I, I really genuinely, it's the first time I've ever written collaboratively. Ooh, I keep hitting my face on the mic. Not good at spacing today, guys. Um, but I, it's the first time I've ever written collaboratively with another artist. Um, and fed off of each other and worked off of each other's perspectives. And Katie and I, I don't know what it was, but we were just able to write so well together and it turned out amazingly. Um, and we got so much good feedback and I was just so impressed. So I'm so, 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 so excited to see what this next few months of collaboration and creativity brings. Katie and I are both going to be again on the Soul so you Speak stage in July, July 30th. We'll be back on stage. 8 p.m. is when the Grindstone starts the Soul Speak Center um, portion of the, the event. But I highly recommend like coming out for eight because it's much easier to get in and, and it's a smaller venue, but it's such a great crowd. It's such a vibe. Um, but yeah, so I did that this weekend as well. And I hung out with my friend Lucas and got to just know him a lot better. And it was so, it was just such a nourishing weekend. It was just filled with so many deep, real conversations with honesty, with like joy, with creativity, with love. Um, there was just so much inspiration to be found. Like the best, the most amazing thing about Lloydstock is that there were so many really good fucking bands like Mitch Vermeer and the Be-Easies. Like they're people that I grew up with that I didn't, I knew played music, but I never saw really perform. And so that was like such a cool vibe. Um, it's just creativity brings people together. And that was proven at Lloyd's Talk. That was proven at Soul Speak. Uh, Lucas and I met through a theater. Like it's just 
there's so much creativity that brings people together. It's like, as we get older, I think it's so important that rather than focus on like what we did not learn as kids and like the terrifying things that happen as adults is that like you can find joy and joy looks different for everybody. But I think creativity is, is my biggest joy. And, and I know now like in the people that I surround myself with, it's, it's usually their biggest joy as well. And that's, all what aging ungracefully is about. That's what getting older is about. It's, it's, you have to find your joy. You have to find your joy in whatever it is. Please don't kill people. That is not joy. Don't, don't find that joy. But you know, like I, I genuinely feel like you have to find your joy in things that make you happy, that light you up, that make you laugh, that make you feel at home. It's really easy to get stuck in the depression. You know, it's really great. Well, not great. It's hard to not drink the depresso espresso. It's hard to push past love and loss and heartbreak and things you weren't expecting for and illness and all those things. It's so difficult and it can be so incredibly hard to go on day to day. I had a conversation with someone this weekend where, you know, we talked about the fact that they struggle with like mania and like depression and something I would never would have known about this person. And when we were talking, you know, they were very hard on themselves and, and it was really hard to listen to, not because I didn't want to hold the space and because I couldn't listen. It was hard to listen to because I don't see that person that way. You know, when you hear people you love, and how they feel about themselves. Like if you, when you hear people you love talk about themselves in a way that you would never talk about them because you love them so much, it's so hard to listen to because for me at least, because like I want that person to know love. I want that person to know that they're loved. And even if it's just me telling them on a bench at two in the morning, I love you and you are important and you are beautiful and you are not a, a waste of space and you are not taking up space. You take up, take up space, sis. Like you can do these things and still be amazing. You are not wrong or bad or, or a disappointment. You are incredible. And I had a few of those talks this weekend with people where I was just like blown away by the, the self-talk, the difference in self-talk versus like how I would ever speak to them and what my perspective and perception of them was. And so I think that it's really important for us to talk about, you know, we've talked about this before, like your own inner critic is incredibly tough. We're our own biggest critic. And so much of a growth and love and learning is learning to love your inner critic and recognizing that your inner critic is also usually formed in childhood. Um, but your inner critic isn't always right. You, if you want, if you want to see a movie and you hear that the movie's terrible, but you still want to see it and then you go see it and it was fucking amazing, exactly what you wanted, you're going to have it like you're going to be joyful that you did not listen to that first time that critic said, oh, I didn't like this or that happened because that's somebody else's perspective. And that's something that I've really learned with like inner child healing and a lot of inner teenager work um, and somatic therapy is that, you know, you are your own worst critic. Your inner critic is usually formed when you're a child, whether that be through your parental relationships or your in-school relationships or whatever that was. And that you wouldn't listen to how critics speak about movies all the time. 
you know, paint your own adventure. That inner critic in your head, that person's not always right. That person is actually quite usually very wrong. And it's up to you to act out against that critic. It's out, it's up to you to recognize, you know, I am not that critic. I am not that that voice in my head that told me I wasn't good enough, that told me I wasn't trying hard enough, that told me I wasn't reaching their goals or their expectations or being successful. Like I am that person who A, B, or C. And I just think that that's so important to like give yourself that space to say to your inner critic, go fuck yourself. <laughs> go fuck yourself. I can get up on stage. I can be my own boss. I can be my best friend. I can do all of these things. I can thrive. I can party. I can have joy. I can do all of these amazing things. And, you know, I don't have to have permission. I don't have to ask permission. That's the best part about getting older and aging ungraceful. You don't have to ask for permission. Nobody gets to tell you whether or not you can be your own fucking person. You get to be your own person. And something that I talked about with a friend this weekend was just like our jobs. And like, he, he's like, I can't believe you are like so corporate because you, you don't act corporate. Like you don't act like a corporate person. And I was like, well, because there is the me that has to show up in my workplace as corporate, but in my life, that's the person who shows up as confident. They're, they are different variations of the same thing. When I'm personally in myself and I'm feeling confident, I walk with confidence. I speak with confidence. I'm not afraid to say what I want to say. I'm not afraid to get up in front of people and read my poems on stage. When I walk into corporate, I walk in with that same level of confidence, but it's in my knowledge. It's in what I know. It's in what I do. It's in how I survey what I'm doing, how I survey the people, how I work with that. It's like they're the same thing, but just in different fonts. I, and they're like, oh, you know, how can you, how can you be so like, you know, how can you work in the corporate space? Like, how does that feel for you? I'm like, no, and that's not great. Corporate spaces are not meant to breed vulnerability. They're not meant to breed individuality. They're meant to get a job done at the lowest cost possible. And like with everybody else pointing fingers and saying that person was supposed to do the job when initially it was none of them were given the task. Like it's, it's genuinely this corporate culture. Any corporation I've ever worked for has had that kind of culture. And it's not a, it's not a personal thing. It's just what happens when you get into a business that's making a lot of money or, or a significant amount of money in large spaces. And so like what I really recognized when they, we were talking about like, well, how'd you, how are you this person in a corporate room, but this person in, in your day to day, it's like, they're not different people. They're the same people in different fonts. It's it's different for me to show up in my personal life with the confidence than it is for me to show up with the corporate confidence that I need. They're the same feeling, just different parts of where I need to, to show up and how I need to show up. And so like, again, if I listened to my inner critic all the time, the way I would think about myself would be is I'm a corporate badass, but horrifically insecure internally. Um, because I would be like, oh, I can be, I can be in my office and be this badass bitch. But like when I get in my real life, I'm like, I'm insecure and I worry about what other people think about me and blah, blah, blah. Like I've started in this last year, really not giving a fuck what other people think about me. And that's come, that has been a struggle. That is probably my inner critic is always just like, everybody's looking at you and judging you. And my the reality of it is is that people don't give a fuck about me and the people who are looking at me and judging me don't fucking know me and the people who are my friends who are looking at me and judging me probably shouldn't be my fucking friends you know if they can judge but they can't talk about it then they probably shouldn't be in my life like it's just one of those things where you just get to this point where 
you know, you can tell you're in a critic to fuck off and you can be the same person in different fonts and different spaces because you're going to have to do what feels best for you in that space. You know, I don't show up to work in my pajamas, but in my home, I live in them. Like there's, there's ways that you have to be in certain spaces because, uh, well, what's usually culturally appropriate and maybe business appropriate, but you know, and then there's places where you can just be you and loud and proud and, and show up however you want. So all of this guys was just a ramble shamble of a podcast, but I really wanted to share how my weekend was, but I just genuinely wanted to say to you, if your inner critic is a cunt, tell them to fuck off. If your inner critic is telling you you're not worthy of love or that you're too loud or too obnoxious or this, you're not. Be loud, be obnoxious. Who's going to fucking stop you? Who's going to sit there? And if somebody, if your friend tells you, you know, you're really loud and you're really obnoxious, they're not your fucking friend. It took me like 20 plus years to learn that. I had a friend growing up whose parent used to always tell me, oh, you're so loud. You're so obnoxious. And I always remember being like, oh, ha, ha. and she's like, but you're better now. And now I'm like in my thirties and I'm like, fuck that. Like, fuck you. That was so mean. That was so cruel to do to a teenage girl to tell them that they were too much. You told her she was too much for so long that she minimized herself to feel good around you. And now it's like, now I'm in my thirties. I was like, I would never tell a, a child, a teenage girl that she is too much. I would say, yes, baby, get louder. Like, it's just, we need to empower and not belittle. And we need to help people grow into who they're going to be and not keep them small. And I think that my goal for this podcast episode today is I hope you guys know that you don't have to stay small for other people. You do not have to be digestible and easy for other people. You do not have to be this fits in a box person for other people. You can be in spaces and places that feel good and vibe and feel empowering to be in. And you should be in those places. And if a space doesn't feel good for you, you don't always have to call it and you're like, I'm socially anxious. Maybe you're not socially anxious. Maybe that place is just not where you're supposed to be. And that's fucking okay. Because any space that you're supposed to be in will give you a joy that you cannot even express in words. And I really hope that for you guys. And I hope for this week that you are joyful, that you are experiencing, that you're being your own fucking cheerleader, and that you enjoyed this late-ass episode of Aging Ungracefully. Guys, my name is Afra. I would love to be back next week. Let's cross our fingers that, you know, she gets her shit together. Um, have a great week, everybody.